0: Good morning. Happy New Year. It is Good to worship with the body of Christ. If you're starting off the year new with us and you see so see fit, you may uh, find a contact card in the seat in front of you. If you want, if you have questions about Sunday school, other questions, want to talk to a pastor, so on, you can fill it out with whatever degree of information you so choose. And you can put that in the offering box back there between the doors. You know, we just, we just sang and BJ spoke to it. We have every reason to praise the Lord. I'd suggest the rest of the world looks on about now after 20, 2020, 2021, 2022. It says, man, the days are dark and the wickedness of man knows no end. And yet we stand here and we sing on the 1st of January, 2023. We have every reason to praise the Lord. Amen. man you I certainly don't know all the situations going on in the, in the body present here today. And I rest assured there are many that would seem grievous to the rest of the world. There are those monks who in the la- sitting here in this room today, right now, who lost children in the last days of 2022 and are here singing, we have every reason to praise the Lord. Amen. Who has a God like that? We Only we. And so CF's is going to bring a timely passage, of course, here at the first of the year in Psalm 27, 11, 14, to remind us again, to sustain us again, encourage us again, that the same Lord who created all things, sustains all things, hung on the cross, rose, conquered sin and death is every bit as God in 2023 as he was every year before. So in Psalm 27 at verse 11, teach me thy way, O Yahweh, lead me in a level path because of my foes do not deliver me over to the soul of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of Yahweh in the land of the living wait for Yahweh be strong let your heart take courage yes wait for Yahweh let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this day Lord, we thank you for the year that's gone before. We thank you for the year that lay ahead. We thank you that you are sovereign in the affairs of men. As wild as it may seem to us, even to, even we believers, even your people, stand here and live in the midst of it. and We wonder at times, and yet we wonder more at you. We thank you that you condescend to be in our lives, to bring us out of sin and death, as we've just sung. To pay that debt, to bring us to life in, in your presence before your face. And may that be preeminent in our minds all the year ahead. And every moment you give us breath. May we revel in the notion that you have appointed this time for us, that we are not here by accident, that you have prepared good works for us to walk in, that we might carry you out to the world, that they might look on and say, who has a God like this? And may we answer only we. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for a fresh new year. We thank you for CF and all those who bring your word up here. We pray you'd grant him right interpretation. May you sustain him, embolden him as you have before. May you interpret it rightly through him, and may you apply it to all our hearts as you would see fit for those works. Lord, may we, may we indeed bear your name out into the world and all this year ahead of us. May I do honor to your name, further your kingdom, and bless your people, Lord. In your name we pray it. Amen. Good
1: morning, everybody. Good to see you here. Happy New Year. If you hadn't heard that already, <laughs> may I be the first to greet your New Year. Uh, before I get started here, one of our church members uh, coming into the church this morning was in a wreck out there, uh, Gay Uh, Ginoan, uh Uh, Cindy Nichols uh, mother uh, was in a wreck she's semi-conscious they're getting her an ambulance gonna take her to the hospital but I would like to have prayer for her right now as a body if you would join me at this time Father God we come before your throne of grace thanking your Lord for this day thanking your Lord for the new year thank you for all that you brought in our life this past year and the work that you did Father we we lift up and intercede this morning on behalf of gay and the needs that she has father from this accident we just pray god that you would give the doctors at the hospital wisdom and skill and knowledge and what to do we pray for her we pray for her deliverance from this lord and pray father that your hand of healing would be upon her and i pray for her family lord that is there that you would bring comfort to them and strength into their lives and minister to them in this time of need we do pray so father we just ask and pray all this of you, lifting up to you in the name of Jesus, asking God for your help in the time of need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn to Psalm 27. That's the Psalm he read. Uh, and I'm going to just cover verses 11 through 14, kind of a New Year's message, kind of one of those messages to get us off on the right track. Trust me. Uh, trust the Lord this year, and that means trust the Lord every day. Uh, good advice, good guidance. And this psalm is written when David was fleeing from his enemies. Now, as I exegete the last portion of this psalm, keep in mind that David is not dealing with a lost cat, he's not dealing with, a, uh, you know, someone talking bad about him. He's dealing with people that are wanting to kill him, and they're hunting for him. And uh, Saul's after him with 3,000 men. They've run him up into the caves in Engedi, and he's hiding up in those caves, and his life is in the hinges, so to speak. Death awaits him, because Saul is on a war path to get him. But David has an allegiance to God, And his allegiance to God is paramount in his life. And what he says at the end of this psalm is a good word for every one of us to carry into the next year for ourselves when we face difficulty. How do we handle it? How do we deal with it? Well, this conclusion is gonna be wait on the Lord. But we look at what David says in this psalm beginning in the 11th verse. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Uh, Verses 1 through 3 at the beginning of the psalm talks about how David's confronted by his enemy. And then uh, the men of darkness are are referenced all throughout the passage. He refers to them as his enemies, is what he refers to them as. And uh, life is full of trial and struggle and difficulty. That's just what life is. Whether the enemy or the foe is a physical foe or whether it's something else in your life. David calls upon the Lord and he says, teach me your way. The teaching of your way means the way of God versus the way of flesh. Our flesh has a natural tendency to want to solve every issue that pops up in our life. And many times the resolution that we come up with is not the good one. The first thing that pops to our mind many times is not good. And so we need to be cautious when doing that. And so David is saying, teach me your way, O Lord. In other words, give me instruction, give me insight. And he says, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. So David's wanting deliverance from his enemies But his primary concern, even though he's wanting protection from his enemies, his primary concern is that he would not respond to what's going on in an ungodly way. How do you learn the ways of God? You know, if if David says, teach me your way, O Lord, can you just say that prayer and then sit on your bed and all of a sudden God's going to give you the word? Nope, that's not how it operates. The, The idea behind teach means that you learn through application, you learn through process. And the way you learn through application and process is you learn to apply the Word of God to everyday situations in life. There is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that. That man has a pathway that he thinks is right. And he will pursue that pathway, but the end of that pathway is death. Now, don't think of death in that sense as dying, okay? Death can be simply living a life apart from God. You're cut off from the life of God. And that's the kind of death that we tend to deal with more than anything else. Physical death is is a finality. But having spiritual death in your life because of foolish decisions is something that can follow you for a long time. And it can create great conflict. So David's saying, teach me. So how do you learn from God? You learn from God by developing a solid prayer life. You spend time talking to God. And talking to God does not have to be in a formal setting. Learn to pray to God on a daily basis. Just just pray, as the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Spend time in the Word of God. Make a commitment, most people do, And and you'll get through the Bible till you get to about Leviticus, but just when you read through the Bible like that, read through the Bible, just read through it. You don't have to read through all the genealogies and stuff like that. You can skip through that unless you have something like a Bible dictionary. and You can go research who each one of them is and what they did and stuff like that, because it's in there for a reason. And I hope you saw that in Colossians at the end of the book, names listed. Every one of those names is significant. And they play a big part in the ministry of Paul, where every name in those genealogy plays a big part. But read the Bible. I mean, you don't have to read from the very beginning. Read the, read the Psalms. Just read through the Psalms, read through the Proverbs. I do a proverb a day. I've done it for years and years and years and, and still don't know the Proverbs, but I'm learning them in the process of doing that. But that continual exposure to the Word of God is a beneficial act in your life. And then the the last part is this, worship. Apply. Worship is simply applying the Word of God to your life. Reflecting upon the fact that God is in charge of my life, I'm yielded to God, I'm going to go the the pathway God wants me to go. That's how you worship. tells us that over in Romans. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the God, which is your reasonable worship. So worship is really giving oneself to God and submitting fully to God in your life, recognizing his position, his place of authority. So David says in this passage, teach me your way, O Lord. In other words, give me the insight and instruction and lead me on a smooth path because of my enemies. David, cutting through those caves up in Engedi that, air, that part of the country just honeycombed with caves, very rough pathway, uh, very difficult to travel. It's hard to make time in that pathway. And he said, boy, if I had a smooth pathway, I'd get some distance between me and Saul. So he said, make my pathway smooth. Give me a highway, a, a smooth road to run on, to move down, away from my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. David had people that were feeding false information to Saul that David was after Saul's life and that he was going to kill him. And as a result of that, Saul turned the tables and came after David. David said, I've never said that. And so if you if you were to follow the story, when David is fleeing from him and he goes up into the caves of En Gedi, it's in 1 Samuel 24, He goes up into these caves and him and his men are hid back into a cave, back in the recesses. Saul comes in there to go to the bathroom. And as he's going through the bathroom, David has direct access to him. And one of David's men tells him, this is your opportunity. God has delivered Saul into your hand. Kill him. Take him. David said, I can't do that. That is God's man. That is God's man in a key position. I can't do that. But David reached out with his knife and he cut off the end of Saul's robe, held on to it, and, and stayed hidden. Saul gets up and leaves the cave. And as he walks out of the cave, David comes out of the cave, and he hollers at Saul and tells him, he said, You've been listening to what all these people have said about how I want to kill you, and it's a bunch of lies. That's, this is a modern paraphrase of the Hebrew. There's a bunch of lies. Don't believe a word that they're saying look, I've got a piece of your robe right here. I could have killed you. If I was intent on killing you, Saul, I could have killed you and I didn't do it. And he said, I'm not going to do it. And the reason I'm not going to do it is because I'm obedient to God and I'm going to follow God's guidance and instruction in my life. And Saul's humbled by that. And he says, David, you have been more righteous than me. You have been a better man than I am. And it brought Saul to a place to recognize that in his life. But David was a man that didn't just step out and do what his first impulse told him to on all occasions. Quite often, David was wise in what he did and skillful in what he did. And so that's what he's saying: Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. These people had caused great conflict for him. Many times in life, you're going to have enemies that do that. You're going to have difficulties with the people you work with. You're going to have struggles in the coming year with neighbors, family, uh, all kinds of situations where, where you have people against you. Don't take matters in your own hands. Lean on God and look to God to carry you through those situations. Don't make foolish choices. Then David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now let's just deal with that last part first. What is the land of the living? What does David mean when he says that? Well, the land of the living is those that walk with God. When you live your life in the presence of the Lord and you're, and you're living your life to cherish God, you're living in the land of the living. You're walking in the spirit. That is Old Testament euphemism for that, where David says, I want to walk where life is. I want to live in the abundance that God has. That's what he's referencing. For you and me, it would be living the spirit filled life, living a life day to day that treasures God above any earthly thing that we might have that looks to God in every circumstance of life, that trusts in God, regardless of what external situations may be. Living in the land of the living, walking in the land of the living, is living in the presence of God on a daily basis. There is nothing better in life than to have that. He says, David speaks of a humanist in the first part of that verse. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed. Unbelief is the key to losing heart, folks. When you doubt God, quite often I hear people say when difficulties arise or a problem occurs, where, where was God? Why would God let something like this happen? And a lot of people have a worldview that is somewhat distorted by human reasoning. And that worldview consists of I belong to God, therefore I should live life without any conflict. I should live life without any struggle. And if I if I have struggle, if I have conflict, then God has not protected me. That's not a real view of life. Look at Paul. Paul was a servant of God, a devoted servant of God. And Paul's life was one of continual conflict and struggle. Yet Paul lived in the land of the living through that. Paul lived a life. He said at times in his life, he said, I I despaired of my own life. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. But he said, the Lord carried me through. And you see that in Bible characters all through Scripture. How they face trials. How they face struggles. The Bible tells us these things are written for our edification and instruction. They're written to give us examples of how people have done it before. But it becomes much more real when it enters your life when it enters my life, when you face a struggle, when you face uh, difficulties that you can't handle, David says, I would have lost heart if I had not believed. And what he's saying there is in order to get through the struggles of life, you've got to live a life of faith. You've got to believe in God in spite of what you see around you. The opposite of that believing is is a life of unbelief. And when you have unbelief. About what God can do, you're gonna lose heart. It's gonna bring discouragement to you. It's gonna bring anxiety into your life. It's gonna bring mental turmoil that won't end. It's gonna be continual. Anytime you have misplaced priorities in our life, anytime we do that, there's gonna be big struggle. If you remember, we went through the book of Colossians, when Paul, let's just look at it, point of review, okay? go to Colossians chapter three. Colossians, the third chapter. If you look in there where Paul is talking about being filled with the spirit down in uh, verse 14, he says, but but above all these things, things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. What things? Well, look up at verse 11. He says, therefore, is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. So he's saying, live a life of forgiveness Treat people with kindness, exercise meekness and gentleness in your life. Be a person that is is merciful. Be a person that has humility. Be a person that exercises patience. (laughs) Then he makes a conclusion. And that is in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful If you remember, when we went through that passage, I told you that word rule means to work as an umpire. What does an umpire do? An umpire in a sporting event lets you know when you're not competing according to the rules. If you've been watching football games this week and there's been some on TV uh, the last few days, there'll be some today and some tomorrow. The referee in that game, their job is to make sure the people on the field compete according to the rules. There are rules that they have to follow in order for the contest to be carried out right. When a person violates those rules, the referee pulls out a flag and throws the flag and says, you've broken the rule, you violated the rule. And what do they do? They stop play, they assess the penalty, then they go back to playing again, all right? The the peace of God ruling in your heart is the umpire in your life. That is your internal knowledge Of whether you're on track or not whether you're competing and I'm competing according to the rules whether I'm in bounds or out of bounds if I don't have the peace of God in my heart something is not right and usually what that something that is not right it's my mental focus I've got something in my mind that is ungodly and uh, not correct not proper I'm, I'm worried about something I'm fearful about something I uh, I'm upset about something. I'm unforgiving about something. There's something that's caused that in my life. A lot of people refer to it as I've I've got a lot of stress in my life. But when you say that, what you're saying is I'm out of bounds. I'm out of bounds. You can't help what what people do that creates stress. You can't stop that. And you're not going to be able to get to a place in your life where you don't have that. Uh, because your own conscience will, will cause you to not have a stress-free life. But you add other people in there, and you add other people in there that don't like you, for example, they're going to create stress in your life. And if you don't respond to it with the right mental attitude, umpire's going to throw the flag says you're out of bounds. But, 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 you don't know what they did to me. Doesn't matter what they did. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter how they act. What matters is how do I respond to it? That's the key. So you want to live your life where the peace of God serves as an umpire over your life. I'm going back to Psalms now. Psalm 27. And so when David says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God. That's the mental frame of reference you have to have. Is that I'm going to see the goodness of God, even though the situation is bad, because I'm going to trust God through this situation. I'm going to stay focused upon him. I'm going to do everything in my life to make sure the externals of life don't get me derailed. Because if I get derailed, I'm going to pay the price for it. And that's one of the detrimental things about unforgiveness, folks. Unforgiveness does nothing toward the person that you're unforgiving towards. All unforgiveness does is destroys your own life from having peace and having comfort and walking with God. You're being robbed of goodness simply by a decision that you've made in your life. And David himself says, I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed. If I hadn't walked by faith, I would have lost heart. I would have been out of bounds. That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to keep walking with God. Then he's going to conclude in verse 14. Verse 14, he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Anytime something's in the Bible once, it's important. When it's in there twice, it's drawing attention to you. And so what's in here twice? Mm -hmm. Well, you know. And maybe. On. On's in there a couple of times. Let's try wait on the Lord. Let's try that one. Wait on the Lord's in there two times. It's in the first and it's in the end. All right? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? To wait on the Lord means to rest in God's sufficiency to deliver you from the problem. Now, God's given you a brain. Okay, and I'm sure you've heard the story, the guy in the flood on the roof of his house and they send helicopters and helicopters and helicopters. And the guy ends up uh, almost drowning and they deliver him, take him to the hospital. And they said, why didn't you jump on the helicopter? He said, I was waiting on the Lord for deliverance, man. God may send a helicopter. You might think about that, too. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean just sitting there doing nothing. Waiting on the Lord means trusting in Him and not your own ability. You may not know how to respond. Just be cautious. You go back and look in the Bible where people reacted and didn't wait on the Lord. I can think of one right off the top of my head. Abraham's a good example. God had promised Abraham he'd have a son. His wife's barren. She's past childbearing age. So is Abraham to a certain extent because it says he was dead too. And what does Abraham do? He says, I got a good plan. Won't you bring my housemaid in here and we'll have a baby with her. And so he tries that approach and Ishmael comes on the scene. Ishmael ends up being a problem his whole life. Ishmael is still to this day, the descendants of Ishmael, still causing the Jewish people problems because of a hasty decision. What about Aaron? When Moses went up to get the 10 Commandments, what did he tell Aaron? He said, you stay down here with the people and, and just wait on me. And Aaron gets impatient and what does he do? He collects all their earrings and jewelry and builds a golden calf and says, let's just have a worship ceremony while we wait on Moses to come back. Not a wise decision. And you can go through the Bible time and time and time again of what happens when people don't wait on God. Waiting on God is waiting for God's solution to a problem. But look what he says wait on the Lord and be of good courage. What is courage? Courage is the ability to overcome fear. You can't help fear. Fear is a natural part of life. Fear can be good, fear can be bad. But fear is a reality. And in order to have courage, there's got to be fear in there, okay? Courage is the ability to overcome fear. I've talked to a lot of uh, men that face difficult situations. I face difficult situations in my life. Some of those hair-raising situations I've ever been in where I thought I was going to die, I was terrified. But I had to act. I had to do what I was trained to do in order to get through it. And that's what courage is. Courage is the ability to overcome fear, not let fear drive your life. Most people let fear drive their life. They live their life with anxiety. They live their life in fear of what's going to happen. Don't be fearful. Put your trust in God. Believe on him. Confess that in your life when you surrender to it. And then get up and overcome it. Act according to the word of God. Well, what do you do when fear comes? Well, folks, one of the first things you do is you go to God in prayer. One of the first things you do. Number two, remember the times in your life where God has come through. Remember the times where God's come through in the lives of other people. You've got biblical example after biblical. Look at the life of David. David lived be an old man. But yet at this point in his life, David was very concerned my life is about over. I'm running from this guy that is a raging maniac. Saul, very likely, uh, he was definitely had an anger issue. There's no doubt about that. But it's very likely he was mentally unstable also. And when you couple those two together, you got a bad, you got a bad situation there. I had a mentally unstable individual after me one time. And every time I'd look around, he'd be sitting there staring at me. And I said, I'm going to end up having a deal with this dude. He was an inmate in a prison. I would go in the office, come out of the office. He'd be in the hallway just staring at me. He was mad at me about something I did to him. And I said, man, I can't shake this dude. You try, you try to shake one of those clowns off your track. It's hard <laughs> to do, man. It is hard. <laughs> David was in that situation. Saul was after David. Saul was committed to killing David. Saul had enlisted his entire army to hunt him down. And slaughter him over something David didn't do. It was a false accusation. But David says, Take courage. Take courage. I belong to God. My life is in the hands of God, and my life will exist as long as God has a purpose for me. And when that time's over, guess what? I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. Have you ever had someone threaten your life before? If you have, the way you respond to that is you say, Bud, you can't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> That's the reality. You can't threaten me with going into the presence of Jesus Christ. You can't threaten me going into the presence of God, going into eternity. Why? Because I'm certain of who I belong to. I know who I belong to. And if this is the way God has called to get me out of this world, so be it. Let's go. Let's get it on but I'm not going to live my life in fear and I'm not going to run afraid from you or anybody else because I know who I belong to. And one day I will answer to the king of kings and the Lord of lords for what I do to my life because God has given me every resource to overcome those issues in life. And so David says, be of good courage. And look what he says. And he shall strengthen your heart. When you exercise courage in God, God gives you the strength to endure. God gives you the strength to overcome. And you may do it with tears in your eyes, but you're going to overcome. And you're going to win because you're going to be on the right pathway. That's what he's saying when he says, wait on the Lord. Believe on him and trust him in spite of anything that you see, anything that is brought to bear in your life. Trust God and lean on God, be strong and take courage to face life because nothing in life can overcome you. But what God purposes. And God has a reason for it. That's the assurance that we have. That's what it means to live in the land of the living. You live your life in total dependence on God. And scripture tells us, why should I be afraid what man can do? That's the key. Having a solid foundation with God. I've got a passage here, Romans 5, that I want to look at. Romans 5, verse 3, it speaks about this in the New Testament setting. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance here, you could put the word endurance in there too. Uh, some translations say patience. The word is uh, hoopamine, hoopamino. And what does that mean? It means spiritual strength to endure difficulties in life. Trials in life make you stronger for new trials. Trials in life help you stand when difficulty comes around you and everyone's falling apart. Live your life focused on it. That's why I tell people, don't spend a lot of time watching the news. There is nothing positive on the news. Absolutely nothing. It is geared to create fear in your life. It is geared to create dependence outside of God on other things. If you just send in enough money, if you just elect the right person, if you just do what we tell you to do, your life's going to be better. Put your trust in God. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Trust in the Lord in what you do. And you will develop steadfast endurance. He says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Though tribulation produces steadfast endurance in our life. And steadfast endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Who was given to us. See, God has equipped us to handle anything in life. God has equipped you and me both to deal with any situation that we face. And we have to have courage to do that. And we have to wait on the Lord. Wait on God to come through. God will give you the pathway. God will give you the direction. But don't trust in your own ability. Live in the land of the living. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The minute the peace of God has gone from your heart, you need to be on your knees dealing with whatever it is so that you can get back on the right pathway. That's a challenge for the new year. Wait on the Lord, trust in Him, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. We pray, Father, that we'd be people that live for you and walk with you. That we would pursue you in our life and all that we do. And Lord, if we're not, or if we've been haphazard in doing that, let us refocus and redirect our life today. That we might better serve you. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we rejoice in all that you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.